What's going on, New Philly? <laughs> Actually, I realize I say that every time I get right. What's going on? My name is Marcus. For those who don't know me, I'm the campus pastor here at New Philadelphia, Itaewon. New Philly is a multi-site church. We've got five campuses, three campuses here in the city, and then we've got one church, one church campus that's located down in Busan, and then another one that's in Sydney, Australia. It's so good to be here. It's so good to preach. Every time I get up here to preach, I feel like it's been a long time. I shouldn't have left you. Okay, I'm going to stop without a great sermon to step to. You know what I'm trying to say? Uh, it's like whenever you start something like that, you almost you have to finish it. It's like uh, some of you are like, what is he talking about? Why did he even? Is that a lyric? You know? Yes, it's a song. Today, I want to talk to you on the topic, first things first. First things first. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, you got to get things in order. Turn to the other person and be like, yo, you too. You need to get things in order. (laughs) There's a special level of conviction up here in this area. <laughs> I want to talk to you on the topic. First things first. It's been an exciting season here at New Philly, Itaewon. Uh, we sent out uh, the past four months, we've sent out six of our great leaders to various campuses. Um, we've sent out our, especially pastors, JM and Sky Becker. They were our community pastors here and they served under me as I'm the campus pastor, but we sent them out to New Philly, Shilin one of our newest campuses to serve as the campus pastors. And not only that, but recently we, here at New Philly, we really emphasize membership and leadership. We believe that every saint in the body of Christ is called to be a leader. I know a lot of people think that leadership is reserved for the special type. Well, Jesus said he put his spirit in all of you. So surprise, that makes you special. And we believe that every saint in the body of Christ is called to lead. And so in our leadership, we have something called reserve leadership. That means that when you become a leader, when we anoint you, that doesn't necessarily mean that we immediately appoint you, but that you get anointed and you serve a season of faithfulness where your character is built up. You learn how to lead. And then we activate you to become an active leader here in our house. We just recently activated some of our reserve leaders and it's an exciting season for them. But not only that, but it's an exciting time here at this church and at this church campus in particular Because as I pray and as I meet with various men and women of God, as I was telling the leaders earlier today at our Sunday pre-service prayer meeting, God is preparing us for some amazing things. Amen. You know, I was meeting with various prophetic men and women of God. I was telling them I went to uh, a pastor's prayer meeting on Thursday. I was meeting with some of the different uh, leaders here in the city. And I was just having a great conversation with one of the pastors from a he's a pastor in Incheon. And we're talking about baseball. We're talking about sports. We're talking about all these things going back and forth. I think we were even talking about football. And then out of nowhere, he looks at me and says, like, God is doing something at New Philly, Itaewon. I feel like the spirit's saying it. I'm like, whoa, hold on, homie. We were talking about baseball. <laughs> and now you're telling me what God is doing at New Philly. He's like, and he, as the more and more he talks, he's like, I just feel, mm. I feel like the spirit's on it. You know, when the Holy Spirit's speaking, when they squint their eyes. And their tongue comes out a little bit like, mm, mm, like they had a good piece of steak. That's when you know that Jesus is speaking. He's like, mm. 
the Holy Spirit's on this. And, and I really felt, I felt a witness in my spirit that God is preparing and doing something mighty here, particularly at this church campus. I thought I was done. Friday, I got, I got dinner with another prophetic man of God and me and him were sitting there. We were talking about all different types of things. We were cracking jokes, eating pizza, you know, like you don't think that over pizza, you're going to start talking about the deep things of God. Oh, maybe that's just me. But we're talking back and forth and, you know, and he's like, yeah, and all of a sudden he's like, ha, 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 ha. God's going to do something at New Philly, Itaewon. <laughs> what? He's like, believe it. Cultural transformation is going to happen through New Philly, Itaewon. What? Okay. You know, I knew he was speaking then because he could see like my soul. I felt like he could see all the way through me. Like he could see my esophagus. Like he could see everything. Like he looked at me straight and he said, God is preparing something amazing, cultural transformation that the entire geographical region of Itaewon is going to be transformed through what God is doing through this covenant community. And as he said it, I felt that witness that mm, this is what I've been praying about. This is what I've been sensing God had been saying. Even a lot of our leaders here in this community, we can sense that God is building up and doing something mighty here at New Philly Itaewon. Amen. But the thing is, is that if God is going to do something and if God is going to move, you got to start getting things in order. You know, it's like if God is about to move, if God is about to say go, if you don't have certain things in your life packed up in the right order, when he says it's time to go, you're not going to be ready to move. How many of you guys have went on flights? You know, before you go on your flight, you've got to make sure you prepare and get your things packed up. If you try to pack up last minute, you're going to miss your flight. In the same way, if God says that he's going to bring people into your life, you got to have your house in order. You know, growing up, my mom, she always, whenever people would come over, she always made sure that we got the, ki the kitchen, not the kitchen. We made, she made sure we got the living room and the bathroom clean first before anything else. She's like, I don't care about your room. Nobody's going to see your room, but get the living room clean first. Why? Because when people, when people come into the house, it's the first thing they see. And if God's going to bring things into your life, you got to start getting the first rooms in your house put together. First things first. And so I want to talk to you today about things in our lives that need to get shifted back into the proper order. Because if your mind, if your heart, if your life is not reoriented in the proper way, when God begins to move, you will not be in position to move with him. And so first things first, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter six. We're going to look at a famous passage of scripture, Matthew chapter six, and we're going to read from verses 19 to 33. So you can turn there, you can scroll there, you can do whatever you need to do to get there. If you don't have a Bible, you know, just lean over to the person next to you and ask if you can get in their space and look along with them. Matthew six verses 19 to 33. We're going to read this in the ESV. This is Jesus speaking. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven 
where neither moth nor rust destroys and where, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, that means that what he's saying next is connected to what he just previously said. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Underline that. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Preach, Jesus. Mm. And why are you anxious about clothing? Fashionistas. Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Mm. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. And we'll end with this verse. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Let me pray for us. Father, we pray today that you will reorient our lives to put first things first. Lord, in life, there's so many things, God, that pull at our attention, pull at our affection. But, God, you call us to prioritize you above all else. Lord, I pray for every person in this room that as the word of God goes out, our hearts would be malleable, ready to receive and ready to turn and do what we have heard. Lord, I pray for myself, even as I preach, would the word go out swiftly with power. I bind up every distraction. I bind up all fear all heaviness, and I loose your presence into this place. And we thank you, Lord, in your name. Amen. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. Now, before we get to this verse in Scripture, it's a really famous verse, right? You see it on bumper stickers. People wear it on T-shirts. Everyone knows this verse. Before we get to this verse, Jesus spends these other verses talking about our anxiety and our desire for various material and earthly things. Specifically, Jesus talks about money. Now, this sermon is not a sermon about money per se, but Jesus uses money and he uses our needs and our desires to point us to whether or not we've got our lives in the right order. And so he talks about not laying up for yourselves treasures on earth, 
but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. He says, watch what you look at. Watch what you focus your eye on because what you look at will, will, it will have an effect on what happens inside of you. He says that you cannot serve both God and money. But I believe that Jesus could substitute so many different things here. He's talking about money, but he could also talk about power. He's talking about money, but he could also talk about sex. He's talking about money, but he could talk about our desire to have honor, our desire for esteem, our desire for fulfillment. He's talking about money, but money's not really the issue. Really, it's the, the things that money provides for us that we think that he's really trying to get at. And then he says, therefore, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life. You know, our generation is the wealthiest generation in human history. If you live in the West, you live in South Korea, you you're living in the wealthiest time in human history. You are very wealthy in terms of per capita, in terms of each and every person. We are very wealthy. We have access to greater opportunities than we've ever had before. We are more connected than we've ever been before, yet we are more depressed than anybody else. Yet suicide, drug usage, addiction, anxiety, that constant push and pull. You know, I read this article called Why Generation Y Yuppies Are Unhappy. And it was talking about why people in our generation are largely unhappy. And it says because we have this, we have this inflated image of ourselves and what our lives should be. And therefore, our expectations and our reality, there's this gap. And in that gap goes unhappiness, (laughs) anxiety, depression. But Jesus here is saying, hey, don't be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, about your body. But he also could have said more. He said, don't be anxious about your life. Don't be anxious about who you'll marry. Don't be anxious about the job you'll have. Don't be anxious about the next Days of your life. Don't be anxious about those things. Your heavenly father knows that you need them all. But then he says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added unto you. You know, when I read this passage and I meditated on this passage, I was like, man, Jesus, this is so good. Like he's talking about how. He'll provide and he'll do this and he'll do this for us. And now he'll provide for our needs for fulfillment. He'll provide for our needs for for satisfaction. He'll provide for our needs for shelter, for food, for calling. He'll provide for all those things. But I was like, God, why? After you say all of that, verse 33, you then say, but. You know, when I read the Bible, I like to ask questions. How many of us, when we read the Bible, we ask questions? You know, I hate it when people say that the Bible has no answers. No, the Bible has all the answers. You just got to ask the right questions. The questions you ask a lot of times determine the revelation that you'll receive. Questions open up the space for revelation. And so when I read the Bible, I like to ask questions. And so I'm reading it and I'm like, okay, all right, God. Okay, Big J, I got this. Why are you saying all of this? But then in verse 33, you say, but seek first the kingdom of God. And I realized that Jesus tells us to seek first the kingdom of God, because even though he's told us all these things, we still have a means of seeking everything else first rather than the kingdom. When you wake up in the morning, what's the first thing you think about? Is it the kingdom?
You know, in this passage, Jesus is talking about all these various things that we're searching for. Peace, fulfillment, achievement, security, food, clothing. But he ends it with a but. Seek first the kingdom. Because he knows that the only way that we get all these other things is if we seek his kingdom first. He says, seek his kingdom first and all these other things will be added onto you. You want peace? You want joy? You want rest? You want fulfillment? You want to know your calling in life? Seek his kingdom first. You want happiness? You know, in America right now, everybody's all about happiness. You know, there's like 78 books on how to be happy. There are songs about happiness. I've sung about it once before. Pharrell, good old Pharrell. Everybody's wanting to be happy. But God's like, actually, you want to feel happy? You want joy? You want peace? You want rest? Seek his kingdom first. Because the only way that you arrive at those things, the only way that you get those things, the only way that those things are added onto your life is if you seek his kingdom first. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things are added unto you. But the problem with this is that we oftentimes seek first the things that are added rather than the kingdom. We're oftentimes looking for peace and looking for joy and looking for our calling and looking for satisfaction rather than the kingdom first, right? I asked you that question earlier. When you wake up in the morning, what's the first thing on your mind? For some of us, it's food. For some of us, it's our calling. For some of us, it's our career. For some of us, it's loneliness. For some of us, it's money. And we end up seeking all these things first and then expecting the kingdom to be added on. When God wants you to first think about how you can best seek his kingdom. You know, I was reading the news the past couple weeks and I saw the iPhone 6 just came out. And uh, right now I currently use a Samsung Galaxy S3. Even when I say it now, it sounds outdated. But when I first got it, I was like gloating in front of everyone. I was like, oh, look at my S3. You know, I think I even said something about it from the pulpit. Now there's an S5. I'm like, everyone's got the S5 and. My phone rarely cuts on. But I saw the iPhone 6 just recently came out and I was watching and I was looking at all the news and I was astounded at all the lines. Do you see all the lines of people who are waiting? You see that guy in Australia, that poor guy, like he got he's the first person in line for the iPhone 6 and he gets it in the news. The news lady gets up there and she's like, I, I'm not going to do an Aussie accent. I don't want to insult anybody. But she's like. Oh, you've got the iPhone 6? And he's like, yeah, I got it right. And then he drops it. He's like, no! <laughs> it's called on national TV. And, he's, and then he picks it up. He's like, oh, oh, it's strong. And he like wipes it off. And everyone's just like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> if I was there, I'd have walked up to him. Just, just give me that phone. Now, you do not deserve this. But I was watching, I was watching all of that. And as I was thinking about even this passage of scripture, you know, all these people are waiting in line. You know, hundreds of thousands of people are waiting in line for the iPhone 6, right? But I bet you out of all those hundreds of thousands of people, I bet you that there was no one there that was waiting in line for the iPhone 6 power cord, right? You don't see anyone standing in line and like, you're just standing in line and say, hey, what's up, dog? How's it going? Hey, what's up, man? Hey, uh, what's your name? Uh, Marcus. 
Oh, so man, you can't wait for that iPhone six, right? You can't wait to get that, right? Dog, please. What I'm really here for is that iPhone six power cord. You know what I can't wait for that film that comes on the iPhone six. You know, as soon as you get a new phone, it comes with that film. No one's waiting in line, hoping to get that film. They're not like, man, I can't wait to camp out to get the film that comes on the new phone. No, they're there for the iPhone six, right? And they assume that when they get the iPhone six, that the iPhone power cord will come with it, right? They assume that the film will come with it. They assume that when they waiting for the iPhone six, that the box is going to be an iPhone six box. But see, that's like the kingdom. You know, when you seek the kingdom, many of us are seeking out peace, joy, love, and happiness and kindness. And it's like seeking the iPhone six power cord. And they're sitting up in heaven like, why are you seeking for the power cord? If you'll just seek for the kingdom, all those other things will come right with it. Why are you seeking for the film that comes on the phone? Yeah, I know that's important to you. But if you'll just seek first the kingdom, all that stuff comes with the package. See, what many of us don't realize is a lot of the things in life that we're searching for, they come stock with the kingdom. I want relational fulfillment. I want satisfaction. I, w- I don't want to feel alone. And, God, and, and then you go off and you search all these other things and God's sitting like, she don't even know that if she seeks the kingdom first, all those other things will be added to her. He doesn't even know that while he's drinking himself to death, trying to get peace, that if he would just seek the kingdom, peace comes naturally with it. What are you seeking first? What are you putting first? Because many of us, we're seeking the wrong things first and hoping the right things get added. We're seeking after relational fulfillment. And so we sleep with our boyfriend or girlfriend. And then we look and we think that fulfillment's going to come with that package. But then we realize that shame is what came in that box. Or the person who's looking for esteem and honor and achievement. So you go after that dream job. But then you get that dream job and you realize that what came with that package was not esteem and honor. But it was isolation and abandonment. Not fulfillment. Or we pursue after money because we think that money's going to bring us financial security. We think that money's going to bring us security. But then you lose that job. You lose that money. And then what do you have left? Or God may be, God may be the type. Sometimes God will give you what you're asking for. Just to show you that that very thing you're asking for isn't what actually satisfies. You got all the money, but then you realize, oh, I need more money. And then that security you thought you had, you realize that actually you're still just as insecure as you were before. That relationship that you were hungering for, oh, you got it now, but you're still just as insecure as before. And God's like, you're seeking the wrong package. You know, I'm using this example of an iPhone 6. It's like that person, a lot of times, it's like that person who's pursuing the Samsung Galaxy S5. And thinking an iPhone 6 cord is going to come with it. Then they open up the box and they've got the wrong cord. 
And then you're like, how did I get this in my hands? How did I get this shame? How did I get this condemnation? How did I get this emptiness? How did I get this disconnect? How did these things come with it? It's because you're seeking the wrong thing. So what are you seeking first? You know, many of us, we're seeking honor, we're seeking connections, so we seek after people. And then we find that with people come problems. Because <laughs> people are fallen and sinful. And, we're like, and then we get disillusioned because I sought after people thinking I was going to get this and I got all this other stuff. When God's saying, if you would seek first my kingdom, I would give you kingdom relationships. If you'd seek first my kingdom, I would give you your calling. If you seek first my kingdom, I will give you kingdom resources. If you seek first my kingdom, honor comes with it. So, in it, so it doesn't work that way. How do we seek the kingdom? What is it? What does Jesus mean when he says seek first the kingdom? I want to hone in on this and I want you to continue to ride with me as I do this. How do we seek the kingdom? What does it mean to seek the kingdom? It means to seek first God's plans and purpose. I'm going to say that again. It means to seek first God's plans and purposes. Now, notice I did not say seek first God's plans and purposes for your life. Notice I did not say Seek first God's plans and purposes for you as an individual. You specifically, it's your time, your best life now. It's all about you. Notice I didn't say that. I said, seek first God's plans and purposes. But many of us, when we hear that, we immediately interpret it in terms of seek first God's plans and purposes for me. But the, the interesting thing is that even though we think about it in terms of an individualistic kind of way, that's not how the Bible was written. Many of the promises that we attribute to ourselves as individuals, God was attributing to an entire group of people. You know, one of my favorite life passages is Jeremiah 29, 11. Every time I, I meditate on it, I, I, I love that passage of scripture. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper and not to harm you plans to give you a hope in a future. Every time I read that, I'm like, oh yes, the plans you have for me to give me a hope in a future. But the interesting thing is, is that passage of scripture, that you is plural. That means that when God was talking about the plans I have for you, he was talking about the plans he has for an entire group of people. That when God was talking about his plans, he was saying, for I know the plans I have for all of you as one covenant community and it's to prosper you. All together, plans to give you a hope and a future as a community. You know, Isaiah 43, 19, when it says, behold, I, forget the former things. Remember not the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Isaiah was not talking to his cousin. Isaiah was talking to the entire people of Israel saying, listen, I'm doing a new thing in your entire community. Why? Because when God speaks, he does not just simply speak to individuals. When God speaks, he speaks to communities because God cares about community transformation, not just individual transformation. 
And when you seek first the kingdom, it requires that you change your mindset to not think so much about what is best for me, but what is best in terms of God's plans and purposes for the entire community. And that's a different way to think. Even in the book of Daniel, right? We love to talk about Daniel because Daniel's an individual and we only see Daniel and then Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, right? We see Daniel and his three friends. And then we point to Daniel in the book of Daniel as if this is a story about one person. But you know that scholars say that the book of Daniel was not about an individual. That when Jews read the book of Daniel, they do not interpret it as God's plans for me as an individual. They interpret it as God saying that whether you are in exile, whether you are under other rulers, no matter what situation you're in, that my kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and my dominion endures from generation to generation. They interpret it in terms of the context of a larger community. And when God says seek first his kingdom, he's talking about thinking in terms of a larger community. But the problem is, is that oftentimes we're seeking first our kingdom rather than his kingdom. Our fulfillment rather than the fulfillment of his promises. Our security, our blessing, our fulfillment. But the reason why you've got to change your mindset in this regard is because when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, he does not talk about the kingdom of God primarily in terms of your own comfort. That oftentimes Jesus says that if you seek first his kingdom, he will add unto you all these other things. But it may require at times individual sacrifice. It may require at times for you as an individual to have to go through some things in order to see my larger purposes done in the earth. I love the passage of scripture in Luke nine because it's, it's a clear picture of the difference of mindset that Jesus has between a lot of times us. Jesus is walking with his disciples, right? He's walking with his homies down the street and all of a sudden someone walks up to him and they give him the common phrase that we all say, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Right. And you would have thought Jesus would be like, oh, I'm so, I'm so blessed. Thank you. Yes. Now, Jesus said, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. He said, hey, check it out. If you're going to follow me and follow my kingdom, it may mean that you're homeless. You know what homie did? He's homeless. Bye, Jesus. Holla. Jesus keeps walking. He sees another guy. He says, follow me. And the guy says, I'll follow you, Jesus, but let me go bury my father. And Jesus says, hey, no, no, let the dead bury their own dead. Jesus, that's harsh. You know, if I was one of the disciples, hey, Jesus, hey, Jesus, come on, come on now. That's a little much, don't you think? But Jesus said, no, no, if you're going to follow me, it means that there are certain things that the world would deem appropriate that I don't deem appropriate. That you're going to have to pay a cost. And then he walks to another person and he says, follow me. And then here's what they say. They say, okay, I'll follow you, Jesus, but let me go home and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus looks at them and he says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Meaning that if you're going to be a part of my kingdom, it requires sometimes that you have to let some things go. And, you know, for some of you, this may be a hard thing to take 
But I tell you the truth that God has put eternity in your hearts. It says that in Ecclesiastes. That means that God has put purposes inside your heart that are larger than your life right now. That means that God has put things inside your heart and a longing inside of you that is so much bigger than you would ever imagine. And that means that it cannot be satisfied through what happens here on earth. It's something much larger than you can ever imagine. It's a calling. It's a cause that's bigger than you. And there's something inside of each one of us that's longing to be a part of that. You know, I've been watching the news and I've been seeing a lot about ISIS, right? And I recently watched this article by this uh, video by Vice News about this guy in Canada who is a Muslim and he left everything in in Canada to go and fight alongside his ISIS brothers in Syria and Iraq. And they interviewed him and he was talking about how he how he was willing to die for it, how he was willing to leave everything, how he was willing to go as far as he needed to go. And I was watching that thinking, man, ain't that a shame? Ain't that a shame? Because if it were flipped and it was the cause of Christ, how many of us would do that? I was like, man, I think it's a little wrong when when ISIS and their followers have more commitment than the followers of Christ. Because Allah does not have new life. That is an idol. He does not hear. He does not speak. But our God is living. Our God, he died on a cross for you and our sins. He gave us new life that we would live for him and his purposes. But the question is, what are you seeking first? See, this kind of thinking is different than thinking that we're used to. This is what we call covenantal thinking. It's kingdom thinking, but it's really covenant thinking. I'll tell you what covenant thinking is. Kingdom thinking is thinking about covenant. Covenant thinking is thinking that values your relationship with Christ and what's on his heart over your immediate need. And therefore does not define relationship as a transaction. The focus, therefore, is not so much on the individual, but is on maintaining and keeping a relationship that is meaningful. Therefore, when God calls you to think in terms of covenant, he's calling you to put his kingdom first. It means to live a life where Someone else's benefit and the larger community is more motivation for you than anything else. And we see throughout the Bible that that's how Jesus thought. We see that that's why he constantly pushed forth covenant, because he didn't want us to think simply as individuals, but to learn how to think as a community. I'll read, I'll read a quote from you from a pastor in the States. He says, this is covenantal thinking. In covenant thinking, the head of the covenant is responsible for everyone in the covenant. For a covenant family, this means that the mother and father are both responsible for the well-being of the children and that the father bears the greatest responsibility of all and will give account to the God who reveals himself as father and father to the fatherless. Thinking covenantally means a man is not thinking about a good time as much as he's thinking about a good legacy. That means that when you live your life, you're not so much thinking about a good time as much as you are thinking about a good legacy. 
covenant thinkers, they don't, when they think, they think, who will my decisions affect? Or who will benefit from my decisions? Or who will be harmed by my decisions? It's the opposite of a consumer mentality. See, a consumer mentality says, Jesus, give me what should be added to me first, and then I'll pursue your kingdom. But a covenant mentality says, Jesus, I love you so much. I will seek your kingdom first because I know you're faithful to add everything else unto me. You know, in terms of seeking God's kingdom first, I'll share with you some of my own story. When I, you know, what has sustained me here in Korea has not been my friendships. It's not been financial security. It's not been social mobility or career mobility. You know what has sustained me here in Korea is being mindful of God's kingdom. Because, you know, when you're mindful of God's kingdom, God begins to fill in the gaps in terms of your calling and purpose. Some of you, you're wondering what God is calling you to, what your purpose in life is. But, you know, when you seek God's kingdom first and you say, God, I'm willing to seek your kingdom first and I'll do whatever it takes to be a part of what you're doing. God says, that's a person I can trust with a particular calling. But if you say, God, give me my calling first and then I'll pursue your kingdom. God says, I don't know if I can trust that. Because if I give you that plan and that destiny, you're just going to seek to pursue and build your own kingdom. You know, when I, I came to Korea in 2007, and a lot of you guys know my testimony, six months before that I got saved. And so I was living, you know, I was a, someone who, as soon as I got saved, I backslid. I don't know how you do that, but immediately I was like, I got saved. And then I think that was on a Sunday. By Thursday, I was back in the clubs. And then on Friday, I went to the club. And then on Sunday, I went to church. But as I was in church, when I was in the States, in North Carolina, God was changing my heart. He was transforming my heart. And many of you guys know my story. Like, I was in a relationship with a Korean-American girl at that time. And she went to Korea on exchange for a year-long exchange. And me being a hopeless romantic, I watched too many dramas, you know, too many. Yeah, yeah. Okay, don't judge me. You know, the notebook was written in North Carolina. You know, like... I was like, you know, she's the one, she's the Neo, you know, she's the, I got to go. And so I prolonged my graduation. I hopped on, I hopped on a plane and I went to, I was in my senior year. Like I was supposed to graduate in May, but I was like, no, I'm going to Korea. I've got to go. I got to find her. So I go, I hop on, I hop on a plane. I go to Korea immediately, you know, it's like long distance was one thing, but when we were short distance, it's a whole nother, you know, because you can keep up walls when you're doing long distance. But then short distance, it's like, I don't know if I like you so much. But anyways, <laughs> we, uh, you know, it. and so as soon as I got here, um, I, I struggled a lot. I would go out to New Philly, which was JSCM at that time. I come out to the Sunday services, our Friday fires, our Friday prayer meetings. God was pouring out his spirit and I was there, but. And I couldn't sense anything because I wasn't living holy. You know, the first name of the Holy Spirit is holy, right? And so if you're going to 
if you're going to encounter his spirit, if you're going to live in his spirit, you've got to walk holy. And so I wasn't walking holy, so I couldn't sense his presence. But as I was being discipled, I was changing. And so as I was changing, as I was pursuing God, things in my life that I I was pursuing started to fade away. And then at the end of my stay, um, me and this girl, we broke up. It was messy. It was public. It was crazy. And then at the end of my stay, I got healing and deliverance, which is something we do here in this house. And then Pastor Christian, who is now our lead pastor, but was discipling me on campus at the time, said, hey, there's this conference I want you to go to. And I was like, conference? Okay, do I got to pay anything? You know, is it free? He's like, no, nah, it's, it's, you can go for free. All right, I'm down, you know? And then he was like, but you got to serve. No. <laughs> like, but then I thought about it. I was like, you know what? Actually, I'll go. And he's, he said, this conference is happening in Busan, and it's 18,000 people from all over the world, from almost every nation in the world. It's a campus, it was a campus crusade conference, CM 2007, 18,000 people from the, all over the nations, right? And so I go to this conference. I'm serving in Busan. I'm eating food I hate, and I'm talking to people from all different walks of life. And it was a good time. Like, you know, it was great. It was cool. But at the end, here's what transformed me. The last night of the conference, they had this huge worship night. And most of the worship nights, I didn't get a chance to actually be at. I was in serving somewhere else, like usually just standing there. If anyone ever needs a question to go to the bathroom or where, like, that's so much fun, right? And uh, But then I peeked in. I left my post. Because it was the last session, they said you could leave. And so I went in and I saw 18,000 people from all over the world going crazy in worship. Going crazy in worship. Young people, old people, people like just people going crazy for Christ. Just worshiping him with their whole hearts. And when I saw that, something in me broke. Like something in me changed. And I felt God speak to me say, Marcus, I'm doing something much bigger than you. I'm gathering the nations. I'm changing the world. I'm coming. I'm coming soon. And, and, that, and when I saw that, before that time, I wanted to become a lawyer. I wanted to become a lawyer because I wanted to make good money and travel the world. You know, I wanted to do international law. But then when I saw that, I felt like God said, no, no, I'm calling you to do something different. And then... A couple months after that, God called me to full-time ministry. And then as I was in North Carolina and I was there, I felt like God said, Marcus, I want you to go to Korea. As, as God told me he wanted me to go to Korea, I also got an offer for a job that would put me in Manhattan in New York and that I would be able to work at this web developing company in New York. And it had like all the perks. It had everything. And I was sitting there and I was like, Go to Korea and work at a hagwon. <laughs> Go to New York and have financial security and everything I want. Hagwon. <laughs> Korea. Ajumas. <laughs> New York. New York. <laughs> and so I tried to fast for a week. Emphasis on tried. I was at that point in my spiritual walk where I was like, I'm going to fast for a week. And then day one hit. And I was like, Lord, I'm going to die. 
Lord, let me have this rich cracker. Let me have this cracker, right? It's communion. It's the same thing. Okay. All right. All right. All right. You know, I tried to fast for a week. And then in the middle of that week, God was just dealing with my heart. And he said, and as I prayed, here's what happened. As I prayed, I felt like God was saying, Marcus, if you go to Korea, I'm going to do things beyond your wildest imagination. You will see me do things that you could never imagine. I will bless you beyond your wildest imagination. You will see my kingdom expand beyond ways you can never imagine. Yes, you will need to work at a hagwon for a bit. But it's just to get you to Korea. Because once you get there, watch and see. I'm going to do things beyond your wildest dreams. And I was like, snap, that sounds so good. But then God also said, but if you go to New York, I'll bless you. God, I hate when you do that. Just tell me where you want me to go. (laughs) But you know what I realized? I realized when God gave me that choice, I realized that in my heart was a strong one love of money and comfort. And two, a strong fear of failure. God, I don't want to go to Korea, experience and see you do things beyond my wildest imagination and then fail and lose it all. And I remember I called up Pastor Christian. He was just Christian at that time. Hey, Christian. And I told him everything. And he said, hey, well, either way, God said he'll bless you, right? Right. But just check this out. Don't make a decision based on the fear of failure. So I decided I'd come to Korea. And ever since then, I'm entering my seventh year since being here in Korea. You know what has kept me secure? What has kept me stable? There have been times where I've wanted to leave, times where I've wanted to move, times where I've wanted, felt like, God, where are you taking me? What are you doing with my life? But what has always kept me secure and stable is God always reminding me, hey, put my kingdom first. Put my kingdom first. You remember the last time you put my kingdom first? I've I've made good on that promise. Not only that, but I've added unto you all those other things. Fulfillment, he's added. Career and destiny, he's added. Calling, all those things that you long for. If you'll just come to God with a willing yes, saying, God, I'll seek your kingdom first. Just put me anywhere. God will add to you the rest of the things. It actually comes with a package. Lifelong relationships, he's added. You know, entering the seventh year, I would have never imagined that God would do some of the things in my life that he's done. But you know what keeps me going is that I know that the best is yet to come. And I made a commitment in my heart that regardless of how things look, regardless of what happens, I will always put his kingdom first. I will always put his plan, his purpose before my own comfort, before my own plan. And as I've made that a yes in my heart, God has been so faithful to fulfill it. I started off this message by talking about what God is planning on doing here at Itaewon. What God has spoken that he's going to do. 
in what God is doing. And the question in your, that you have to ask yourself is, is there a yes in my heart? To just be a part of it. God, I'll be a part of it. It doesn't matter how it looks. It doesn't matter what it looks like, God. I want to be a part of what you're doing. You know, I've said this before and I'll say it again. Even if something were to happen and I'm not your pastor tomorrow, I'm not going to leave. You know what? I, you know where I'd be? Right here on the front row worshiping. And if they don't let me on the front row, then at least the fifth row. That's been my commitment. God, I will, I will work anywhere you want me to work. I will do whatever I have to do, God. But I'm not going to abandon what you're doing in this nation. Because, God, I'm putting your kingdom first. I want us to pray together.